The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts. Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump, right? In today's episode, we talk about lifting weights, strength training, resistance training, but we don't talk about how it makes you stronger or speeds up your metabolism. Those are all true. What we talk about are the hidden secret benefits of doing these things. So you're going to love this episode because I bet you don't know resistance training did so much more then build muscle, burn body fat, and make you look incredibly sexy. Also, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Legion. Now, Legion makes some of the best performance-enhancing supplements you'll find anywhere. No artificial sweeteners. Uh, the labels are accurate. Everything is on the label, so there's no weird mixes that tells you exactly how much of each ingredient is in the bottle. They sell pre-workout supplements. Uh, we like some of the pre-workouts. Pulse is great. They got protein powders, both vegan and uh, whey-based. Go check them out. They have much more. Go to buylegion.com. That's B-U-Y-L-E-G-I-O-N.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump for 20% off. Also, we're running a massive promotion. MAPS Aesthetic is 50% off. This is a bodybuilding inspired workout program and the Extreme Fitness Bundle, which includes MAPS Hit, MAPS Performance, MAPS Prime, and the Intuitive Nutrition Guide. That's 50% off. You can find out more about those or just sign up at mapsfitnessproducts.com um, and use the code MAYSPECIAL for the discount. You know, that last episode that we did really sparked a topic idea. Which one? For Well, so we, we, we just recorded um, one of our quad episodes. Oh, you mean like literally the last one? Yeah. So, sure. and, um, and, you know, one of the questions was uh, from a trainer and the question was, how do I get my client to communicate all of the effects that they're getting from mm -hmm. exercise or resistance training. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think because, you know, one of the, one of the problems that we have with exercise, especially resistance training is that we only connect a couple uh, attributes to it or, or, or a couple things of value. And those are, am I getting leaner mm -hmm. and am I looking better? Right. right? Those when are the top two, well, yeah, that's it. In fact, that's it. In yeah, fact, if you ask the average person, the average yeah. when you had a client, hey, you know, how are you liking your workouts? That's what they would think. Am I losing weight? Am I looking better? And they wouldn't even know to be aware mm -hmm. of all of the other benefits that are very real that resistance training provide, and dare I say, more important than the looking better and getting lean. Which, believe it or not, the things that we're gonna, I think, we should talk about today are actually more valuable. And when people start to realize them and connect them to resistance training and actually pay attention to how these things are being affected positively, their consistency, consistency improves um, and they tend to train more appropriately. It reminds me of the book, The uh, The Alchemist. Yeah. You know, you have this this goal, this this this, this guy has this goal the entire time and, and you're, you're reading this book and he's trying to get to this place and he keeps having all these, these things that take him left and right and all these issues. 
And when you finally get to the destination, what you realize is like, yeah, the, the goal is great and all, but really the gold was in was in the journey along there and mm -hmm. that's and if so the the scale and the and the way you look right so the mirror and the scale that's great that's the, that's the end goal and that's mm -hmm. that's awesome and there's nothing wrong with somebody saying i want to look this way or i want to lose weight there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever but really the most valuable stuff is is in the journey on the way there and your job as a coach is to be able to help the client make that connection to those things. Because they don't even know I, to pay attention. Oh, I would argue that's the most important job of a coach, especially because of that fact. Whatever brought them into the gym, they, there's various reasons, but for the most part, it's those two uh, attributes that they're looking for the most is, is I want to lose weight or I want to look better. But it's really uh, the responsibility and the job of the coach to highlight a lot of these other uh, beneficial uh, things that happen as a result that that provide even more value, value to, to build on the rest of their life. Yeah, now to be clear, all forms of exercise, uh, if done appropriately and applied properly, provide tremendous benefits across the board. But resistance training is quite unique in some very important areas. And I think that's what we should focus on because – if people have a misunderstanding about exercise, boy, does that misunderstanding get even worse with resistance training. And the truth is, resistance training actually provides hidden benefits that are quite unique to resistance training. So, and, and here's one of the main reasons why. And we'll start with the kind of the first point. But before we do, I'm going to explain why you see certain unique benefits from resistance training that you don't see from other forms of exercise. Other forms of exercise, in particular cardiovascular activity or cardio, which is a broad category that includes running, swimming, biking, rowing, the, you know, the form of exercise that most average people think of when you say workout or exercise, or at least the first form of exercise that they'll go and do if their doctor tells them to work out. Cardiovascular exercise is an anti-tissue form of exercise. Resistance training uh, is in a unique category. In fact, it's the only form of exercise that is specifically pro-tissue. So one is anti-tissue, one is pro-tissue. So what the hell does that mean? I was going to yeah, say, please, please simplify No problem. Everybody, yeah. So when you're doing a cardiovascular activity, any form of exercise, but let's stick with cardio. When you're doing cardiovascular activity, you are sending a signal to the body, right? So it's a stress on the body. And what happens when you stress the body is your body tries to adapt to that stress so that next time the same insult doesn't provide the same level of stress. So... Another example would be you go out in the sun and the UV rays hit your skin and it causes some damage and your and your body goes, okay, let's adapt so that next time when this happens again, we don't get the same kind of damage and your skin darkens and tans and makes you more resilient. So when you do exercise, the same thing happens. So you do cardio and your body tries to become better at cardio, which requires a few different things. It requires endurance, not a lot of strength, and efficiency with calorie burn because while you're doing your running, you're burning a lot of calories. So your body's trying to become efficient with calories, and it doesn't need a lot of strength. So when you do see studies of with cardio in combination with diet, so someone's trying to lose weight, they do cardio with diet, what you typically see is a 50-50 muscle fat loss uh, start to happen. So the body loses body fat as a result of the calorie deficit, but it also loses muscle because cardio is literally sending a signal to your body that says... We need less weight, we need less muscle, we don't need much strength, and too much muscle burns too many calories. So it's anti-tissue. Do tons of cardio, and your body adapts by lowering or reducing the amount of muscle mass that you have on your body. Okay. Mm -hmm. Resistance training is unique. 
It's the only form of exercise where the specific signal that it's sending is pro-tissue. The number one adaptation that happens from resistance training is add muscle, add tissue. Now, because muscle is a very metabolically uh, active tissue, a lot of amazing things have to happen in order for this particular adaptation to happen. The first thing that has to happen is your hormones actually start to balance out. Now, think about this for a second. What hormones are what, what hormones do you think of when you think of building muscle? Testosterone. Mm -hmm. Testosterone. That's number one, right? What about growth hormone? Right. Yep. That's another hormone that we start to think about. What about insulin? Insulin, yep. insulin is another hormone, right? Um, what about cortisol? Cortisol mm -hmm. is another hormone involved in muscle building. Not because it goes up and builds muscle, but rather it goes down. Too Est much cortisol. Estrogen, progesterone. The estrogen progesterone balance in women is very important for muscle building. If that balance is off, they have a very tough time building muscle. So when you send this signal to your body that says, we need to build muscle, in men, reliably, if it's appropriate, you reliably see a raise in testosterone. Here's the cool part. Regardless, testosterone is low. If it's in the middle, even if it's high, you see the testosterone levels raise. Not only that, but here's the cool part, right? There was a study that was done recently where they compared groups of men and they were trying to see if different testosterone levels within a particular range, so they weren't extreme, it wasn't like they compared really low to really high, but rather people kind of in the middle, low, middle, high, middle. And they said, okay, how much does this affect muscle hypertrophy, which is the fancy term for muscle building? And what they found was that the levels didn't make that big of a difference. What made, what made a difference was androgen receptor density. So androgen receptors are what the testosterone attaches to. So if you have a lot of these receptors, then even if you have a lower testosterone, it's more effective on your body than if you have a lot of testosterone, but you have a little bit of these receptors. Okay. What does resistance training do to the body? Increases androgen receptor density. It's literally priming your body with hormones and receptors in a way to make it build more muscle. Growth hormone goes up as well, reliably in both men and in women. We talked about insulin, right? Does it spike insulin? No. It just makes your body more sensitive to insulin. So whatever insulin you are, you do have, is now affecting your body more effectively. In fact, it's one of the best protections against insulin resistance is to build muscle. Now, to your point about androgen receptors, does this only happen in a, a, a caloric surplus with resistance training, or does this happen regardless of of where your calories are. If you have, if you have a caloric surplus um, and it's not too extreme, you're going to still you're going to see it. If you have a calorie deficit and it's not too extreme, you're going to also see this. Okay. So it's always telling your body to build muscle. Now, if you don't provide your body with the calories and the building blocks to build muscle, obviously it's not going to happen. Nonetheless, your body's still going to prime itself to build muscle. Now, the next thing is to provide it with the nutrients to do so. Got right. It. Estrogen and progesterone. You know, when I used to train, uh, to the back half of my career, I started working a lot with um, clients that would be more challenging in my early years. So in my early years, I didn't work with tons of really challenging clients. Later on, my studio was next to a hospital, and I had a lot of clients that were doctors and surgeons, and they would actually send me some of their patients, and these were more challenging clients. And I also worked with functional medicine practitioners. In fact, I had one in my studio for a little while. And they would send me women that had all these symptoms. Back then, they called it adrenal fatigue. Now, today, we know it's uh, HPA or HPTA axis uh, dysfunction, where the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the thyroid, it's just, it's, it's not, they're not balancing out properly. And they have all these symptoms like excess fatigue, 
their body can't control, like they have uh, bad resilience to hot or cold. So they get really cold easily or they get really hot, really uncomfortable. Their body seems to hold on to body fat. Uh, again, we used to call that adrenal fatigue. Now it's called HPA axis uh, dysfunction. Nonetheless, when these functional med medicine practitioners will send these people to me, resistance training, appropriate resistance training, where we are teaching the body to build muscle in combination with, of course, you know, all the other stuff, reduce stress and better diet and all that stuff, we would get this wonderful balancing out effect of their hormones in the body. And the, and the functional medicine practitioners, or, by the way, this is where I got this from. They would tell me that. Oh, you know why this is so effective, Sal? Is because resistance training is telling her body to build muscle. And in order for her body to build muscle, it has to balance out those hormones. Mm -hmm. So what it's doing is directly balancing out hormones through exercise. Uh, now, no other form of exercise does this. Now, other forms of exercise may help balance out hormones indirectly by improving your general health. That can definitely happen. But only resistance training directly causes these improvements in your hormone profile. I talked about cortisol. It'll even help your body react to cortisol better and lower cortisol so long as it's done appropriately. Because again, your body's like, we need to build muscle. Mm -hmm. Let's change these hormones around so that we can do so. Well, and technically... Other forms of exercise may, may may benefit some of these things, but more often than not, they actually can hurt these things. For example, somebody who is, you know, let's say their hormones are not optimal and they decide that they want to lose 30 pounds in pursuit of that. Maybe the doctor tells them they have to. And, you know, they're, they're a big caffeine person. They drink a lot of caffeine. They've got a high-performing job. And they sign up for F45 and Orange Theory because that's what their friends are doing. And they love the competitive environment and high intensity. What happens to this person's hormones? No, oh, it goes it, – it gets worse. It gets much worse. You know what's funny? I interview uh, I, a Dr. Allo. He's actually got a YouTube channel. Real great guy. He's a cardio – I believe he's a cardiologist. He interviewed me because he's does lots of. He's a cardiologist. He's done lots of deep study on this, and he loves the message of resistance training. He literally yesterday shared a study with me that where they compared groups of men with different forms of exercise. One group did cardio, one group did resistance training. Okay, now predictably the resistance training group raised their testosterone. Okay, the group that did just the cardio, guess what happened? They lowered their mm, testosterone. Mm, not mm. only did their testosterone levels not change, but they actually went down. Now, this makes sense, again, because yeah. if you're doing lots of cardio, it's telling your body, we need to get rid of this muscle. We don't need it, and it's burning too many calories. We've got to adapt. And in order to do that, your body's going to lower its testosterone level. It's a, it's a direct result of the signal that you're it's sending. It's a different signal, which, yes. you know, back to your you know original point of like pro-tissue versus like, you know, anti-tissue. And then I think it's it, there's a totally different signal that you're providing your body in terms of like the environment that we're creating. Like what kind of stress are we trying to uh, build up towards? Do I need this type of protective tissue to, you know, help me get through this type of load and demand I'm placing on my body versus... Um, um, you know, do I do I need all this any kind of excess weight uh, to to get through this sort of endurance type stress? Yeah, think about it this way, right? If you were to inject somebody with hormones to make them anabolic, to make them build muscle just through hormones, what are the hormones you would give them? Well, you'd raise testosterone, and women again, you'd balance progesterone, and estrogen. You'd give them growth hormone. You'd find ways to get their cortisol in check because that's the that's what makes the muscle happen. What if you wanted somebody to waste away? What if you wanted to give them injections to slow their metabolism down, right? It wouldn't be all those, it wouldn't be any of those things. Yeah. It would be the opposite. You'd be giving them things to make those hormones 
go down in order to, to do those things to make those things happen. So resistance training directly balances out hormones in a rejuvenating way, right? Because all these things that we're talking about are youth hormones, right? What's the difference between a 20-year-old that's healthy's hormones and a 50-year-old's health uh, hormones that are that's healthy? Mm-hmm. Well, the difference is the 20-year-old's got higher growth hormone, higher testosterone, better insulin sensitivity, et cetera. So what resistance training does is actually puts those hormones in a way through its pro-tissue effects to kind of make you younger. Now, do you think this is one of the major contributors to clients saying things like, man, I remember when I was younger, my body would just respond. I would lift weights or change my diet a little bit, and then it would respond right away. But now I tell you what, once you get into your 40s or your 50s, your body just doesn't respond. Do you think that this is one of the primary reasons for that is because of their their hormone profile has changed <coughs> so dramatically since their their teens? Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously there's a result there's a reason why that's starting to change. Of course, aging is you're going to get some changes in hormones naturally, yeah. but a big reason is because we are in, we don't move. Yeah. And that inactivity, by the way, by itself inactivity is unhealthy, right? That's so that's true, but let's forget that for a second. Let's just pretend that inactivity wasn't healthy, wasn't unhealthy. But what's the result of the inactivity? The direct result: less muscle, less strength. So yes, you are seeing these 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 negative hormone uh, responses mainly because people are weaker with less muscle. And you can follow along. Uh, you know, you can see charts. They they do these studies where they mm-hmm. see how much muscle mass people lose with each decade of life. And that's it's a, it's a correlating. It goes back and forth. We don't need muscle. How do we we lower muscle? We don't need these anabolic hormones. Lower those. Oh, now we yeah. need less muscle, and it just gets. Sometimes it's a, a really slow, gradual degrade too that a lot of people don't realize. Like if if they've tried to keep up, you know, workouts in like a, a certain window of like a, an hour a day versus what they used to do all the time, they didn't realize how much more active they mm-hmm. were and how you know even their work environment has changed. Uh, you know the way that they're actually addressing their body and how imbalanced they are in terms of like getting sleep and all these other factors involved. Yes, and and, and let's talk about libido, right? Because hormones affect libido. Uh, resistance training is a libido booster. Now, to be clear, anything you do that improves your health will probably improve your libido, okay? But again, because of these hormone effects, no form of exercise directly uh, stimulates libido like resistance training. If your body is in a hormonal state, to build muscle, your body is, your libido is going to go up. And you don't believe me? Go inject yourself some testosterone or give yourself some growth hormone injections and see what happens. Well, this has to, to be libido. some, yeah, evolutionary trait, right? To where, like, when you're in your optimal state of health is when you're best to, to reproduce. And, Absolutely. And, yeah. And so that's just, it's one of those things you don't really associate all the time. But, you know, getting closer to that balance and that optimal state uh, is going to provide a much uh, better result. I also think it's important that people understand that there's a, there's a huge spectrum on here too right so sometimes you think you're okay but there's still a lot more room for you to be way better you know for example you could go through something you know hormonally be off hormonally a little bit and not so out of whack it's you know hurting you You or chalk it up to age yeah you just chalk it up to age or i just don't feel great um but it could be a main reason why you're not seeing the results that you should for the effort that you're putting towards your diet and your training because those are out of balance. And the type of training and dieting you can be doing may be actually making it worse. Exactly, exactly. So resistance training, lifting weights, phenomenal, the best when it comes, I mean, properly applied, of course, 
when it comes to balancing out hormones. Um, now that leads us to the next one, which is improved mood. Um, how much do your hormones affect your mood? Tremendously. You know, it's funny when when uh, you know I have a, I had a a friend a family friend whose daughter uh, was transitioned, so she was transgender, and she went in on testosterone. One of the first things that she noticed was her mood was very elevated because testosterone is this kind of feel-good hormone. This mm -hmm. happens to men as well. Mm -hmm. Low testosterone makes you feel kind of shitty. High testosterone makes you feel really good. Now, in women, the balance of progesterone and estrogen makes your mood feel either good or bad. If it's out of balance, you don't feel so good. If it's in balance, you feel great. Growth hormone is another one, right? Growth hormone makes gives you energy and makes you feel good. And then we it leads us to cognition. You know, what's funny is that, and I've, I've, I must have said this at least 100 times on this podcast, but mm -hmm. cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's, and all the, all the, the categories of things that happens to our, our minds and brains that reduces our cognitive performance. You know, what's funny. If you take someone who's, who's got Alzheimer's or dementia and you put them on a ketogenic diet, you can mm -hmm. pretty reliably see an improvement in cognitive function. This is, mm -hmm. We've known this for a long time, by the way. Not a, mm -hmm. This is not a surprise, right? It's not a new thing. You put them on a keto diet, they, they eliminate carbs, all of a sudden their cognitive performance goes up. Now, why is that, yeah. right? It's because they're, they're, one of the, some of the causes, and they think some of the causes of this cognitive decline was their body and brain's inability to utilize glucose or how it, their body reacts to carbohydrates. They're just inundated with it like continuously versus like uh, never getting themselves into that fat adapted state. Right. Or it's just, they just, their brains lose because they're insulin sensitivity, they become insulin resistant. In fact, right, they call, resistant. they call uh, Alzheimer's dementia uh, type, type three, three. Mm -hmm. diabetes. So improve insulin sensitivity, you see improved cognition. Not just that though. Okay. Movement and exercise, people think you're just exercising your, your mm -hmm. muscles. You're working your brain uh, quite a bit. Your brain has to control what's going on. You're providing yourself neurofeedback. Oh, totally. And so like all these different uh, you know, nerves and sensors in your body, like if, you, if you're actively expressing movement and, and articulating your joints, you're sending a lot of information to your brain and your brain's going to be more responsive to that. And if you're taking that in, it actually has this crazy effect where you can retain more information and you can be sharper uh, as well the more you add movement uh, with your study. I want to circle back to the, the mood point you made a, a little more just because um, this was something that affected me when I came off of testosterone and maybe the, the hardest part of seeing that or I, feeling I, I remember. It was, it, 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 I, I consider myself a very positive person. Like I, I have a very positive outlook on life. I'm very optimistic. Um, I knew what I was getting into by coming off of testosterone, so I was mentally prepared for what was ahead of me. Like I was very aware of what the studies say around low testosterone and depression and things like that. So I was ready for it, and it still hit me like a ton of bricks and took me a long time to get out of. And it's not just that. You have to understand that there's a compounding effect from that. You don't have you you your mood is down. It's that much harder to get in the gym and go exercise and do things, which then makes it worse. That yep. makes it worse, and so, man, that in itself is is a reason to to focus on this. And I remember that feeling when you're that low, man. When I get in there and I'd finally train and I would just focus on a couple strength building exercises like squatting or deadlifting, overhead press. 
I'd have this nice little surge for the next 24 hours because of that. But I'd have to like, I'd have to have the mental discipline to get myself in there to do the movements because it was so hard to get myself out of bed feeling like that with such low testosterone. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. that was your own that was your own experience. And so you know firsthand what that feels like. Yeah, tough. So what it feels like to have your hormones be out of balance. Now back to the cognition aspect. You know, when you're working out, you're developing neural pathways. You're actually training and growing your brain. In essence, in fact, they'll show studies where people will do certain movements and they'll see changes in the brain structure because your brain is developing along with your muscles because your brain is what controls. That's why you learn skills and techniques and that's why you get better at them. Not just because your muscles get stronger, but rather because your central nervous system also learns to adapt. Okay, so we know that, right? All forms of exercise will cause a lot of these neural adaptations. But here's the difference between resistance training and other forms of exercise. Let's say I run. Let's say that's my form of exercise. I run. It's the same motion over and over again. I'm going to develop neural pathways to do it, but at yeah. some point, that's it. I'm one leg in front of the other. I'm running. It's the same thing over and over. It's same not thing. very cognitively difficult. No, same thing with biking. If I just bike, or it's the same thing over and over again. Okay. With resistance training, there's literally an infinite number of exercises and ways to perform each exercise, and it's actually encouraged that you train your body in this way. If you follow any of our programs, you'll find that there's definitely staple exercises, but there's lots of other exercises that we put in there. And then there's changes in tempo, form, technique, repetitions, directions. You can train someone in every single direction with resistance training, whereas other forms of exercises are very straightforward. What does this do to the brain? It develops and builds the brain in tremendous ways. Proprioceptive ability... Uh, that's your ability to know where you are in spatial space, awareness, spatial yeah. awareness, right? As you get older, you lose this. One of the reasons why you tend to lose your balance. Resistance training, because it's so multifaceted, because it's so multiplanar, because it's very challenging. If you do a good resistance training workout, you can't just be lost in your thoughts like you can when you run. You're there in the set. Now, right. in between sets, you might be able to think about whatever. But when you're doing it, you're focused because it requires concentration. That improves cognitive performance. Now, have you seen that compared to anything like, so, you know, for example, I remember my my grandmother used to love doing crossword puzzles to mm-hmm. train that, right? Mm-hmm. So she didn't lose that, the, the ch- all the different words and, and you're trying to put the how many and th- that challenges the brain in a similar fashion. Have you seen studies that actually compare that as far as is resistance training up there with that type of brain better. training? It's better. Yeah. It's it, even better. It is because, uh, when you, yes, uh, tr- training your mind through thinking definitely improves or helps preserve cognitive function. But when you include, when you're challenging your mind, but you're including physical feedback, right. it's a much louder signal and wow. it requires more development out of uh, the brain because if I stop moving completely, if you put me in like a whole body cast, but you constantly have me thinking all the time, and as my muscles atrophy, as I lose the ability to walk or run or stand, those parts of my brain start to atrophy. So that physical feedback plus the mental stimulation is really the, the, yeah. the, the key for cognitive uh, I'd argue this is probably one of the most exciting fields that's emerging right now in our space uh, in terms of like being able to train the brain. We just don't associate again that the brain is so interconnected with the entire body and you know how what we do and all that matters and and they're finding ways to increase 
focus and, and distractibility and all that to be able to be resilient to that by, you know, working your body out in a certain way and providing even more challenge and neural feedback so that way you're sharper. Well, again, be, okay, remember how I said earlier, because it's pro-tissue, it's pro-muscle, it, your body balances out and increases the hormones and puts them in a way to promote muscle growth? Okay. Because it's such a stimulating activity for the brain, your brain, your body actually produces more of the brain stimulating chemical known as brain derived neurotropic factor. BDNF. It's like, yeah, it's it's like yeah. it's like miracle grow. So, doing exercise in general raises it. Resistance training tends to raise it uh, even higher. Here's another um, hidden benefit: mobility. Now, mobility used to be synonymous with flexibility. Right, so oh, you want to become more mobile, just become more flexible. You know that's not true, right? Just because you have a larger range of motion isn't going to make you more mobile. In fact, my my six month old son is very flexible. I mean, I I can lay him on the on the floor and I can bend his leg over here and bring it over there, and he's very flexible, not mobile at all. In fact, not useful. In fact, if I put a little bit of load on him, he's going to hurt himself. Right? Right. No, I haven't tried that, but mobility is. Range of motion with strength and control. So when you're doing proper resistance training, which includes nice full ranges of motion, it also includes challenging your ranges of motion and working on ways to get better ranges of motion with load, which could be just your body or if you get stronger, you add weight like dumbbells, barbells, machines, whatever, you are actually strong in that range of motion. So it's the difference between getting down in a squat and getting down a squat with load or getting down a squat and moving quickly because you have to or you got to grab your kid or whatever. Improved mobility, there is no form of exercise that compares to resistance training because other forms of exercise don't do that the same way. This one's a hard one to overcome, though, because of the stigma we talked about in that other episode just recently. Yeah. The bodybuilder one, mm. because there's still this idea that- It, it makes you tight. Yeah, you're muscle-bound. If you lift weights you know, and your your goal is to be more mobile or flexible- Lifting weights is counterproductive because it makes you tight. No. And so it couldn't be further from the truth, but it's still a stigma and it's still one of those ones that's hard to get across to somebody that, no, actually, if you really want to improve improve mobility, strength training is one of the best things we could possibly do. Take the tightest bodybuilder that you know, okay? The tightest bodybuilder you know has more mobility than the average person. Okay, this is a fact, right? So is it going to make you ultimately as flexible as yoga or lots of stretching? No, those are... Very specific for just crazy flexibility. So no, you're not going to be able to twist yourself into a pretzel with proper resistance training, but you will gain a tremendous amount of functional flexibility and mobility, the kind that just translates into into everyday life. So you might not be able to sit in the splits, but in real life, you're probably never going to sit in the splits, but you will have to you know, quickly twist and grab your kid because they jumped off the curb or lift up a box or get down real low to fix something in your car or whatever. This is what resistance uh, training provides, proper resistance training. It's that that full range of motion, connection, and mobility that that you need in the real world, which results in less pain and makes you resistant to injury. People hurt themselves because they're weak. That's the bottom. When people say, I hurt myself because I'm tight, no, you weren't strong enough to support that movement. So if you, although you feel tight, the reality is you're weak and tight. Well, That's and what this, causes the injury. And this was like one of the most, I mean, common things that you would see as a trainer and a coach. I mean, when I had a client that got hurt that was, you know, above the age of 30, it was, it was never deadlifting 100, you know, tons of weight or squatting or doing this crazy exercise. It was always doing 
a very basic movement, but they lacked the mobility. They mm -hmm. lacked the control and strength in that range of motion, and it was pulling a weed or picking a shampoo bottle up out of the shower or picking their kid up or reaching back to hand them something in the in the car seat behind them. Throwing a Frisbee. Yeah, yeah. or fris something so very basic simple. because they, they lacked that mobility. So this, th this one, I think, is just uh, undervalued. I mean, it's so important. The stigma is so strong, right? Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, no, proper resistance training includes full ranges of motion. It also means if you can't do full ranges of motion, that you train yourself to be able to gain full ranges of motion. So let's say you could do full range of motion squats, full range of motion overhead presses, full range of motion rows and cable chops and windmills and lunges and Cossack squats. Like you could do all that full range of motion with load. Man, you've got real world, amazing mobility, better functional mobility than the hyper flexible person who likes to stretch all the time because you could do it with load. Now the next one, this one's, a, this one's another one that's a stigma, which is Heart health, right? You never hear resistance training being promoted mm -hmm. as a way to improve your the health of your heart. Yeah, and again, too, I think a lot of times people associate with building mass. Like, this is a problem with the whole BMI thing <clears> where <throat> we don't want to add more body mass to our existing uh, physique. And 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 so, like, the, the, this just doesn't become a part of the conversation. It's about how can we get just this weight off, all of it. Yeah. Well, I think it's also because, I mean, there's a little bit of, of I think, common sense that makes people believe this. It's, you know, cardiovascular training is strengthening the heart. The heart's a muscle. When you do cardiovascular training, you push your the heart, heart rate beats up. faster. Your heart beats faster. It adapts. It gets stronger. Therefore, in turn, it should make the heart. And, and when you think about what makes the heart beat faster and harder than anything else, it's cardiovascular training. Yeah. So I think that's why that's so popular is because that's been Well, because when you're running, running, your heart's beating hard, right? So you yeah. think, oh, this is good for my heart. You know right. what's funny? There's only one form of exercise that's ever been shown to damage the heart. Cardio. Excessive oh, cardio. Right. Yeah. Excessive so oxidative stu stress. Studies will show this. Uh, lots of cardio uh, really it causes more of these calcium deposits in the heart that can become these plaques that could cause lots of issues. By the way, this is a fact. I'm not just yeah. making this up. And here's the other problem. Resistance training hasn't been studied for health for, very, for, for as long as other forms of exercise. For a very long time, if you were, if you were trying to do a study on exercise and health, you picked cardio. This is the way it was for decades. Resistance training was like weightlifters and maybe athletic performance. But now for the past couple decades, we have studies that are specific to resistance training. And you know what they find when it comes to heart health? That resistance training is superior. Mm -hmm. it, there, I, there are studies that show that resistance training reduces visceral fat, the kind of fat that is surrounds the organs, including the heart. And resistance training is superior to other forms of exercise. In fact, that doctor that interviewed me that I talked about earlier, he's the one that brought that up to me. He goes, oh, he goes, it's, he goes the studies now are showing that. He goes, I tell all my patients to lift weights mm -hmm. because now it's showing to be the best form of exercise for heart health. Probably because, yes, it, it, it teaches your body to burn more calories, so that's good, so you get leaner. Mm -hmm. But it also it, it produces this hormonal environment that's much better. Like right. Again, we talked about insulin sensitivity. Like You get that. As something that's better. And is more resilient and just protective tissue in yes. general. Yes, yes. Now, the next one's kind of obvious, which is uh, it strengthens your bones. You know, it's funny. When they do studies on, like, running for osteopenia, what they'll show is they'll take, like, women who have osteopenia. This is when you start, you're start you starting to get bone loss and you're getting closer to osteoporosis. And then they'll test their bone mass after they've done running for a while. And what they'll find is a little bit of an increase 
of bone mass in the lower body and nothing anywhere else, right? Because right. so obviously it's the legs pounding on the pavement that's causing some bone mass increases, but it's not a ton. It's actually a little bit. In fact, the early studies, people were like, God, you know, exercise really isn't that great for reversing osteopenia because they were all focused on Running. on cardiovascular exercise. Now, resistance training, they finally did studies on resistance training and bone mass. And what did they find? Reliably increases bone mass. In fact, it's pro-tissue in the bone sense as well because muscle anchors to bone, stronger muscles mm -hmm. require stronger bones. And resistance training is performed through the whole body. So well, you don't just get stronger bones in your legs, but in your spine and your shoulders and every every part of your body. Yeah, and in specific directive force. So the only way to to, to really like isolate that and, and really expose tissue to that like very direct type of, of force is to do like resistance training, and that's going to affect the muscle, that's going to affect the bone, and it's going to affect the ligaments uh, in a very specific way because it's going to have to adapt to this type of of stress that's very specific to that area of your body. Right. Right. It's funny that you say that it's it's you know kind of obvious or common, but I remember a lot of times when I'd have clients that had you know achy joints or they were brittle or had any issues with their bones or were resistant to wanting to lift. I weights. know. So I know. even though you you think it's common knowledge, I think a lot or somebody who's older, oh they're old and brittle. Don't you don't lift weights? Yeah, don't lift weights. That could be dangerous. So it's you know as as common as you may think it is. I think it's common maybe in our circle. But I think for the the masses, there's this still this idea of like you should never take grandma to go you know squat or lift weights like that. That's dangerous. She's very brittle. She could fall and break her hip. Why would you ever think about Dude, lifting weights with her? I I, I used to tra I trained mm -hmm. a lot of people in advanced age towards the back half of my career, and and they were some of my favorite clients for a lot of different reasons. But one of the main reasons was it blew them away at how impactful one day a week of resistance training was. One day a week. I'm not joking. The majority of my clients over the age of 70 would see me once a week. The majority. I had a few of them that saw me twice a week, but most of them would come in once a week. And they were all, and they always, you know, and this is from a generation where, like you said, Adam, like resistance training, like, why? Look, I'm here, Sal, because, you know, Dr. So and so, who's your client, like, has told me 15 times to come here. So now I trust my doctor. So I'm going to come and, and I'm going to try this out. And I'd say, okay, we're going to do once a week. And they go, that's it, once a week? Is that going to even. Is that even going to do anything? It's a just watch what happens. And it would blow their minds because they would regain abilities that they lost 15 years ago. I'll never forget this with the day that this happened. I've shared this story before, but I was training another client. It wasn't even an appointment where I had uh, where I was supposed to train this particular person, but I was training another client and I had a small studio and all of a sudden I see her walk in and for a second I was confused like oh shit did I did I double book myself and I'm like no I can't so she walks in I say hey what's going on hmm. Kim what's happening and she's like I was next door grocery shopping I used to be uh, my studio was next to Knob Hill so it's a grocery store here in the Bay Area she goes I was grocery store uh, grocery shopping at Knob Hill and for the first time in years I was able to reach up by myself and close the trunk of my SUV like this is this is something she lost before. Mm -hmm. Now walking didn't do that for her. Nothing did that for her. My one day a week of resistance training did this for. Her. I have I had another client who was losing bone mass and she had some other conditions, very very strange rare situation, otherwise healthy. And she came, she was referred to me by her doctor and they, she she was on uh, injections to help her bone mass. These were like autoimmune type drugs and I said, "Look, we're going to lift weights." 
And if anything's going to make your bone mass stop declining and reverse, it's going to be lifting weights. And so she was like, okay, I trust you, but I'm skeptical. Her doctor was like, let's give it a shot. Well, anyway, they were so shocked when she went back, she went and got tested every six months, got her bone mass tested every six months. They were so shocked with the results in six months that her doctor called me and told me that they are making that a case study. Oh, they wow. literally made it a awesome. case study on resistance training for how it affected bone mass. As reliably as resistance training builds strength and muscle, which it does in anybody if you do it right, it will also strengthen bone and no other form of exercise does it like resistance training. Now the last one, this one, just recently we're starting to see studies on this because again, resistance training is only the last couple decades been studied for health benefits, right? Up until mm -hmm. that, it was all performance. But they're now doing studies on resistance training and how it affects sleep. Yeah. And what they're finding is resistance training improves sleep in very tremendous ways. Mm -hmm. Now, the researchers, they conclude that it has to do with the fact that resistance training- Balances the hormones. Well, besides the hormone balancing, it's it, the, the form of energy, muscle energy that you use most when you're training for strength is ATP, right? Mm -hmm. Adenosine triphosphate. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but that's that's what it looks like. Now, when you utilize ATP, it breaks down into adenosine. Adenosine makes you sleepy. Mm. And they think that may be one of the reasons why people, when they do resistance training, according to these studies, have so much better and deeper sleep. Now, oh, I, knew this is, I knew this as a trainer. I don't know why, but I know as a trainer, my clients would always tell me how much better they were sleeping because right. they were working out with me a couple days Oh, I week. can tell a difference in myself on in days that you take off and you don't. Like if I, in fact, I actually will adjust my caffeine intake if I know I'm not going to work out. It's actually important that I do. Otherwise, just a little extra caffeine and a non-workout day will ruin my sleep. Yeah. You know, I'll be, I'll be amped enough without expending any of that energy and movement to have not allowed me. Now, what exactly is happening in me chemistry-wise, I can't explain to you and tell you, but I can definitely tell you that there's a different there's a major difference between days that I get in a good lift in the day versus a day that I don't, and I know that it's exaggerated if I don't lift and I have like a stimulant that actually will keep mm. me up. Oh, yeah, anecdotally, I was always like talking about that effect with clients and and how, you know, just expressing this sort of pent-up energy like within. And so it's like we're holding in a lot of the energy and we're we're also stressing about all these other things. There's no actual release for that day. Um this this carries over and this is something that then trickles into to something like sleep where you, you know you're, you you haven't you haven't got to that state where you know I feel like I I've, I've expressed all this energy I can relax. Excellent. Uh so look, I talk about all this and much more in the resistance training revolution just trying to change the paradigm around exercise and encouraging people to do the form of exercise that's the most effective for most people's goals. You can find that book at the resistance training revolution com. Also, if you like this podcast, go head over to mindpumpfree.com. We've got tons of free guides there that you can learn from. And finally, you can find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, me at Mind Pump Sal, and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, 
The RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.